Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Matthew chapter number 20 this morning, Matthew chapter number 20. I want to read you a few verses and give you a little thought this morning um, with the help of the Lord. And you pray for us today that um, God would help us as we preach today. Matthew chapter number 20, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter number 20, and uh, look with me in verse number 1. For the, kingdom is, for the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man, uh, that is in a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed, uh, uh, and when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went there and they went their way. Again he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, Why stand ye here all the day uh, idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. Look in the latter portion of verse number 6. The Bible said this, Why stand ye here all the day idle? I want to preach on this thought with the help of the Lord for just a little while. Why stand ye here idle? Why stand? You know what he's saying? What are you doing just standing around? When you look at the field, when you look at the work that needs to be done, why are you just standing around? I want to preach on that thought with the help of the Lord for just a little while today. Father, I love you. I appreciate you this morning, God, and I thank you, Lord, for your blessings on our life. I thank you, God, for being good to us. And Lord, I pray, God, that you'd help us today. God, you know our physical and mental need, and I pray, God, that you'd meet with us today. I pray, God, that you'd remove uh, uh, any thoughts within our mind this morning, God, that you wouldn't want said. And uh, God, may I say only the words, Lord, that you'd want us to say today. I pray, God, that you'd preach us in power and unction and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God. Father, may we learn from your word today. We'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated today. I want to look into this thought for just a little while this morning and preach on this thought again. Why stand ye here idle? Or you could say it this way. Why are we just standing around? Why are we just standing around? When you come to Matthew,
Matthew chapter number 20. This passage is part of the parable known as the laborers in the vineyard. The householder here is a picture of the Lord. The laborers are a picture of his servants. And the vineyard is a picture of the world. If I could, I would say it this way. The householder is God. The laborers are us. And the field is the world today. I thought about this verse in Romans chapter number 13, verse number 11. And that, knowing that the time, that now it is high time to awake out of your sleep. For now is your salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What is he saying? Here's what he's saying to us. Paul is saying that it is time to wake up and realize the condition of what's going on around us and do something for the Lord. Here in this parable in Matthew 20, I think we can see the same application. The laborer or the hired, uh, the boss man, the householder, however you want to look at it, he comes back and he sees those just standing around and says, why stand ye here idle all the day? What are you doing just standing around? Do you not realize that there is a great work to be done? Why are we still just standing around. I thought about this. It's sad to think. Uh, it's, it's sad to think this, but there's a problem uh, of a lot of people uh, just standing around today. You say, sort of preacher, I'm not just standing around. Well, can I illustrate it this way? Uh, you take a Sunday morning service uh, and compare it to a Saturday morning visitation. I didn't figure I'd get too many amens right there. You take a Sunday morning service and compare it to a Saturday morning visitation. You say, well, preacher, I've got this to do and I've got that to do and Saturday's the only day that I've got to do it on. I understand that. But can I ask you something then? During that week, did you invite anybody to church? Did you tell anybody about the Lord. I'm going to ask you a question today. When was the last time that you asked somebody if they knew for sure that they know the Lord as their Savior? If they knew for sure that they knew the Lord, when was the last time you invited somebody to the house of God? You say, well, preacher, you know, we've got this and we've got that and people still scared of this and people still scared of that and people still going to hell. You know, there's been a lot of things that's changed over the past year, but there's one thing that hasn't changed, uh, that people still dying, uh, that hell's still hot, and heaven's still sweet, and we have found ourselves just standing around. Just standing around. He said, man, why are you just standing there? There is a work to be done. What did he say? He said that it's high time that we uh, wake out of our sleep. It's high time that we do something for God. Here's the excuse that's used. Well, preacher, you know, I just can't talk to people. I, I wish I had a nickel for every time that I heard. Not even a dollar, just a nickel 
for every time. I just can't talk to nobody. Preacher, I just, I, I struggle with that. But then you walk by and they're catching fish. They're killing deer. They're working on the car. You say, what are you, I hear the chatter inside the church. They can talk about everything else. They can trade guns. They can talk about, I don't even know where women shop. They can talk about going to Concord Mills. Everybody all right this morning at church? But we use this excuse. I just can't talk to them about the Lord. It's the devil convincing us that we can't. Or it's because we're living the same lifestyle that they're living. And that's the reason we don't talk to them about the Lord. Hello. We use so many excuses today. Here's what I thought about, and I'll say this even more as I preach this morning, but here's what I thought about. When I look back over the past, I got saved when I was 16, I'm 42, so ever how long that is, I went to BCA, but ever how long that is, how long is that, brother? It's over 20 years, isn't it? 16, 26, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 40, 26 years. This year will be 27 years. I've been saved 27 years. And you know what? As I look back over that, and I think about that, and I look at what God's done for me, I look at the prayers that God has answered for me. Is anybody hearing the preacher today? I look at the times when I've been in the storm, and I picked up this word, and this word has spoke to me, and helped me along the way. When I look at what it's done for you, and for you, and for you, and how it's changed your life, and your life, and what it's done. Man, when I look at how good God is, and what God's done for me, in order to drive me to tell others about him knowing that he can change their life. No, I can't change it, but I know somebody that can. And if I can get them to him, he'll transform their life. Are you hearing me this morning? But yet we just stand here so idle. We just stand here so dormant, if you want to say it that way. Let me show you a couple things this morning. Why? Why, when the scope is so spacious? Why do we just stand around when the scope is so spacious? Listen to what the Bible said in Matthew chapter number 13, verse 38. The field is the world. It's the world. Listen to what he said in Mark chapter number 16, verse number 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What did he say in John chapter number 3, verse number 16? For God so loved what? For God so loved the world. Hear me and hear me well. We just don't have one little section that we're trying to win for the Lord. You know what, the other day, we was knocking on doors. The other Saturday morning, we was knocking on doors. And the last Saturday of this month, we'll have visitation again. But the other Saturday morning, we was knocking on doors. And I got a phone call. And there was one of them that was out knocking on doors. And I said, hello. And they said, we're over here in the trailer park knocking on doors and temples over here too. What do you want us to do? I said, keep knocking on doors. You say they're knocking on doors. That's exactly right. You know what we done? We tag teamed the neighborhood. Right. Temple don't have 
a little section that we draw out and say, you go win them, and we're going to draw this section, and we're going to go win them, and we're going to draw this section, and Shield of Faith can go win them, and we're going to draw this section, and Ladonia can go win them. No, here's the scope today. It is the world today. Hey, everywhere there is a creature, there ought to be a preacher. The scope is the world today. And we think about the scope today. When we think about the billions upon billions in the world today, when we think about the 75,000 in our county today, why are we just sitting here idle? Why are we just sitting here idle? Why are we just saying, well, you know, preacher, I'm not going to knock on that door because I think they used to go to church. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to knock on it. And if they say I go to church, I'm going to ask them where it's at. And if it's a good fundamental church, I'm going to look at them and I'm going to say, I'm not in the business of dragging you out of your home church. But if it's not a good fundamental church, and just because it has Baptists on it don't mean it's a good fundamental church. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, well, I pastor down at Amazing Grace Baptist Church. We have Sunday school at 10 o'clock, preaching at 11 o'clock, preaching at 6 o'clock, preaching at 7 on Wednesday nights. Won't you come be a part of something great and grow with us? The field is the world today, and yet we stand around. Well, I just don't know where I'd go if I did go on visitation. You want me to tell you where to start at? Why don't you start right there in your own neighborhood? You want me to tell you where to start at? Why don't you start with that crowd that you used to run around with? That's not in church today. Used to make you myself preacher. You know, if one of them walks up in here, you know what we gonna do? We gonna shake their hand. If they wanna hug my neck, I'll hug their neck. It don't matter what they look like. The door open at Amazing Grace Baptist Church. The field is the world. The scope is so spacious. We just stand there. We just stand there. Brother Pope was with us yesterday. And uh, Brother Matt and Miss Mandy was here and they they heard him. And man, Brother Pope, he just drives you. Man, when you get done hearing Steve Pope, I I told him he got done yesterday and I said, I'm going to throw the pulpit out the window. He just makes you want to do something. And he said that there was a, a man over in a community. And he said that the man wore bibbed overhauls all the time, just wore old rough program boots all the time, had an old truck, is about half beat up, but that's all he had. And said he was talking to a deacon of one of the upper churches in that community. And he told that deacon, he said, I've been thinking about coming to visit y'all's church. And that deacon looked at him and he said, Do you have something a little nicer that you could put on. He said, well, no, sir, this is just about all I've got. He said, well, could you at least wear some shoes that's different than those? And he said, no, sir. He said, that's just all I've got. He said, if you've got a different vehicle that you can drive to sit in our parking lot? He said, no, sir. He said, that's just all I've got. He said, well, I don't think you would be a good fit at our church. Just a couple counties over from here. He said, I don't think you would be a good fit at our church. Can I say something? 
come in in your bibbed overhauls with your brogan boots and your wife beater t-shirt if that's all you got. You know what we're going to do? We're going to preach Jesus to you. We're going to love on you. We're going to tell you about somebody that will change your life. Here's the problem today. Everybody's wanting to clean fish before they ever catch them. Yeah, you're right. Everybody's one. Uh, thank God for the rough vehicles in the parking lot. Thank God for the vehicles in the parking lot that come in that had backer spit on both sides of them. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for the nice vehicles. Thank God for the ones that's got the highest price clothes on and the ones that's wearing the lowest price. It's not about that. It's about a God that loves sinners. It's about a man some 2,000 years ago that bled and died so that we can live. The scope is spacious. And yet we just stand still. Number two, let me move. I've got nine points. Number two. You thought I was lying. I don't guess I'll preach them all. I don't know. Number two, why when the servants are so scarce? When the servants are so scarce. Listen to what he said in Matthew chapter number nine. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Listen to what he said in Ezekiel 22 verse number 30. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the lead. But listen to what he said. That I should not destroy it, but I found none. Can I tell you something? The Lord's looking for a few good men and a few good women. The servants are so scarce. The servants are so scarce. Let me tell you one reason that a lot of pastors experience burnout in the first five years of their ministry. Because they have to do everything. Absolutely everything. You know it's not the pastor's place to do everything. You know, if you really want to get biblical about it, because that's what we always want to do. Well, what does the Bible say about it? If you really want to get biblical about it, let me tell you what my place is. To preach and to study. It's not even my place to visit you. Y'all want to take an extra offer for the preacher today? That's not my place. That's the deacon's place in the church. That's what the Bible... Hey, hey! Ain't we having a good time up at Amazing Grace today? Now let me say so. I'm going to visit. I'm going to knock on doors. I'm going to come see you in your time of need. I'm going to help you if you need help and there's anything I can do to help you. But I'm just saying that's what the Bible teaches. And here's the reason so many preachers, thank God I don't have to worry about this for the most part because the servants are so scarce. Yesterday they had an Easter egg hunt, Easter celebration. A resurrection celebration. Because you never know who's watching, so we had to cover all of our bases there. If it was just an Easter egg hunt, we're contemporary and going to the dogs. We had a resurrection celebration. And um, uh, I, I, we had a big breakfast yesterday morning. Our preachers came back in. We, we loved on them yesterday morning. 
And, and, and I thought about this, but now we worked pretty hard getting ready for that. Brother Matt and Miss Mandy always helps us with that. And then Miss Gay makes the gravy, and Miss Helen's the biscuit maker. Praise God for the biscuit makers and gravy makers. Amen. Me and Brother Matt, we peeled taters Friday night, 15 pounds of them. We got about halfway through it, and Brother Matt goes, you know what? I said, what? Daddy was on the phone just right before Brother Matt said this. Daddy said he had FaceTimed, and, and I just left it laying there. He was just talking. And, and I said, Daddy, we're trying to get stuff done. And he just kept talking, and I think he was just bored. So we just sat the phone, and he was watching us. He said, KP, boys, KP. He said, that means just keep on billing. And I said, well, we're going to about seven and a half pounds more. And Matt said, you know what, preacher? I said, what? He said, last Saturday, we was coming down the road, and he stopped somewhere. He said, I bought a tater pillar. <laughs> I said, well, where's your tater pillar? <laughs> well, it's at the house in a box. I said, I told you we was pillar 15 pounds of taters tonight. Why didn't you bring a tater pillar? Well, we peeled that and we cut taters up and yesterday morning, man, we started for daylight and cooking and, and, and just having a good time. But can I say something? I'm thankful for what I'm fixing to say. All I had to do was say, and I'm just going to throw a name out, okay? But Josh and Miss Kayla, I need y'all to get that breakfast together. And you know what? I would have never had to worry about that breakfast. There's uh, that Easter celebration. I didn't have a clue what they was going to do. I showed up out there, ate a bunch of candy, and I hadn't done that in two or three weeks, honestly. I've been trying to watch what I eat, and, 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 and I mean, I haven't been on no diet. I've just been trying to watch what I eat and do better. And man, I've regretted it ever since I ate all that mess. I walked out there today, and there's a thing of Snickers sitting there, and I just about puked looking at them. A couple of days, I'll probably be wanting them again, but anyway... I, why? Because somebody took care of it. But I want you to hear what I'm fixing to say. You say, well, preacher, everything's already took care of. No, there's something for everybody. There's something for everybody. Preacher, I want to get involved. Their soul's going to hell. Get you a pocket full of tracks. And every time you go through the drive-thru, that's, that's real regularly anymore, isn't it? Or they do curbside pickup. Give them a track from the church. Become a servant in the service. So, number three, why? Why? When the scope is so spacious. Why? When the servants are so scarce. There's something for you to do in the house of the Lord. Number three, why? I'll give you two to say amen on. So you help me through this one. When society is so sinful. Why? Why do we not tell people about the Lord when society is so sinful? And I say something to you today. We live in a wicked, wicked, God-hating world anymore. Our religious freedoms are starting to be under attack more than they've ever been. And you, 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 you might ought to figure out where you stand on all that because the day will probably come that we have to stand on it. It came last year. 
He came last year and thank God for Dr. Beatty and a group of pastors that rose up and went to Raleigh and stood for our religious freedoms. And that was the reason we was able in North Carolina to continue having churches. That's why, because we went down there and brought a lawsuit against the governor that was trying to shut the church down. Why are we just standing around when society is so sinful? Society is so sinful today that we just look at it as another form of life anymore. It's just a, watch this, alternate lifestyle. No, it's an abomination in the eyes of God. And when we look at the condition of our society today, somebody helped the preacher this morning, it ought to drive us, Brother Andy, to start telling people about God. I'm telling you, it's a different world than I grew up in. I'm not but 42 years old, and some of you, I don't mean this disrespectful, but some of you old timers in here, I guarantee you, you're saying it's a whole lot different than when you grew up. 1 John 5, 19 said this, And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. In wickedness. I was studying last night. I want to read you a few things. I was studying last night. The devil has a way, and I'm going to need an amen right here with music. Matter of fact, when you study the devil out, and I've got, even though next month is going to be refocusing on our marriage, and Brother Mike and Miss Amy's coming in, I'm probably going to continue some more thoughts on the manipulator. And when you study him out, I know Brother Josh has the book, Satan's Toolbox. If you don't have it, get it and read through it. When you study him out, you know what? He was over in heaven, he was over music. That's what he was over. Before Satan was kicked out of heaven, he was over music. Let me tell you what Satan still uses today. He uses music. Here's what one by the name of Lady Gaga had to say in 2015 and 2016. I'm just a holy fool. Oh baby, it's so cruel. But I'm still in love with Judas, baby. I couldn't love a man so purely. Even prophets forgave his goofy way. I've learned love is like a brick. You can build a house or sink a dead body in the most biblical sense. I'm beyond repentance. Fame, hooker, prostitute, wrench, vomits her mind. But in the culture sense... I just speak in future tense. Judas, kiss me if offensed. I want to love you, but something's pulling me away from you. Jesus is my virtue, and Judas is the demon I cling to. I cling to. I'm just a holy fool, old baby. It's so cruel. But I'm still in love with Judas. And that is what, if we're not careful, we're allowing society to pump into the minds of our young people. Can I be real? You may vote me out, and if you do, that'll be all right. Somebody hopefully will vote me in somewhere, and if not, 
then I'll go get on the milk truck with Brother Jeff. <laughs> music today is completely different than what music was when I was growing up. I, I'm going to be real honest. In the late 90s and the early 2000s, when Joe Diffie came out with John Deere Green, it was wicked. It was wicked. Preachers preached against it. He wrote Billy Bob Loves Charlene in letters three foot high. <laughs> the whole world knew he should have choose red. My wife told me every bit of this. <laughs> but he looked up to Charlene and John Deere Green. And boy, they preached against that. Now, I'm not necessarily saying it's all right. You said but. I didn't say but. That may have come through my microphone, but Christy said it. But when you look at that and what they're pumping into the minds of our young people today, it's a wicked day. And I'm going to tell you something, church. If we don't get busy, if we don't get busy, we have lost a generation at Amazing Grace. You look at the 19 to 25 year olds that has come through our church. That's one reason me and Brother Matt has been so burdened in talking. And here in just a few weeks, we're going to have that first college and career cookout and talk about things to do. And they're going to head that up. I'm not going to be at all up. I'm too young. I'm not setting up to midnight. This is the gospel at 8.30 last night. I was laying in my bed with my door closed with my Google playing. I think that's what the thing is sitting over there. Is that a good Google dot? Is that what it's called, Brother Zeb? You say, why was it playing? And John did not. <laughs> no, it was classical music. Somebody just about hollered, turn it up right then. You called it, didn't you? We got to reach them. Society is so sinful that it's sucking our young people into it today. And it's all right if a man's 17 years old and was born a man, but it's all right now for him to say he's a woman. Society is so sinful today and it's sucking our young people into it. And our young people are thinking it's all right now to live an alternate lifestyle. Listen to this. Here's what the CDC said in 2018. They reported 619,591 legally induced abortions in America. That's 1,697 innocent lives that was murdered in 2018 a day. A day. 1,697. That was in 18. That was the latest statistics that I could find. A day. You know one thing it finds that I find so interesting about that? The person that was making that choice had life. There's mm, 2017, the CDC reported, listen to this, 194,377 babies was born to kids ages 15 to 19. 
I kept studying that, and I'm not even going to go into all of the things that I found. And I kept studying on that, and over 60%, over 60% from what I can find, Brother Tim, you work with our teenagers, over 60% between ages 14 and 18 admitted in a recent survey to already having sexual intercourse. We're adults this morning. The kids is out there. Turn your TV off if you're going to blast me for what I just said. Already admitted to it. There was one article from a 12-year-old girl that went to the hospital to have her baby. And after her baby was born, the first thing she asked for was her coloring book back. Society is so sinful. Why are we just standing here, church? Why, why, are we, why are we not reaching them? Oh, but preacher, if I invite somebody to church and, 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 and they was to get sick, well, what if you don't invite them to church and they die and go to hell? Society is so sinful. I got to looking at the drug use. It was showing at ages 8, 9, and 10. And them starting to mess around with marijuana now. You say, well, preacher, marijuana, and, and now you just don't need to... No, let me tell you what it is. It's an introductory drug. You talk to any dope head, and you know what they're going to tell you? That's where it all started at. And here's what happens. They get a little bit of high from that, and then you know what? The next thing is this. It's not high enough. So you know what they do? They take the next step. And you know what? A little while later, it's not high enough. And before you know it, pulling up Brother Andrew, and they still got a syringe hanging out of both arms, and they're dead. Society is so sinful. Why are we just standing around? Is anybody hearing the preacher preach today? Society is so sinful. I've, I've said this before, but I read an article one time when I was working with young people a lot. And here's what it said about meth. You know, they say meth, when you take it, it's, a, it's an immediate addiction. And here's what they said, in our mind is, is, is this thing called dopamine. And am I saying that right, Brother Brian? Dopamine. And, and, and a while ago when I was saying John Deere Green and she said, but a lot of y'all laughed. So you know what happened? A little bit of dopamine went over in your brain. It dumped a little bit of dopamine out and you got tickled about it. That's what makes you laugh. That's what makes you have a good time. And here's what happens, they say. When you take meth for the first time, it dumps the whole bucket of dopamine over in your brain. And they spend the rest of their life trying to get that first high again. And that's the reason they end up overdosing and dying, a majority of them. Society is so sinful today. Now I want you to hear something. I love the dope head today. I love the attic today. I love the man that is living in sodomy today. 
And I love the lady that's living inside of me today. That's what the Word of God called it, okay? I love them. There's not a week that goes by that I don't talk to people that's living those lifestyles. And you know what I do? I hug their neck and I tell them that I love them. They know who I am. They know what I stand for. They know the Word of God that I stand for. But I want you to hear me today. We can still love the sinner and hate the sin. We do not have to look down our pharisaical nose. Let me tell you something. I'm one choice away from living on the streets today. I'm one choice away from being an alcoholic today. My children's one choice away from being a statistic and a teenage pregnancy. Is it wrong? Absolutely. Is sex before marriage wrong? Absolutely. It's still in the Word of God. The Bible said make no provision for the flesh. The Bible said it's good for man not to touch a woman. It's still in the Word of God. But when they do mess up, we cannot kick them to the curb. They have to understand there is consequences for messing up. No, you're just not going to walk back up in the choir and jump up and down and sing Kumbaya. There is consequences for messing up. But there is a God that loves you. There's a God that will forgive you. There is a preacher and youth leaders that love you and will forgive you. But why do we stand around in society today? It's so sinful. Let me give you one more. Come start playing. Why? Stand here all the day idle. Why? Why when the scope is so spacious? Why when the servants are so scarce? Why when society is so sinful? And can I just say something on those servants being so scarce? Some of y'all sitting in this room today has got a testimony. I didn't go down the wrong road per se. I don't know what it's like to be addicted to alcohol. The strongest addiction, and I know we laugh about this, but I'm just being honest. The strongest addiction that I ever faced, and it's Mike Castevens' fault, is Red Bull. And honestly, Brother Jeff, when I go by a cooler and see it, I have to keep walking. drink a six pack of them right now I love it and some people says that's the nastiest thing I've ever put in my mouth what allures my taste buds is different than you and what allures yours is different than mine but some of you have faced that addiction some of you God has brought you past that and you know what? You needed to go expand and not talk about it. But you know what? We got some young people that needs to hear your testimony. We got some young people. I hope I don't get in trouble. Because this guy's a whole lot bigger than me. So I always try to stay on his good side. But me and Lloyd was standing out in the parking lot five years ago, six years ago talking. And here's what he said. He said, you know what, preacher, one day? He said, I want to take a Harley and roll it right in between a bunch of young people and just tell them 
all the shame it brought into my life and all the, the bad places it took me. There's, there's nothing wrong with riding a Harley. And if you think there is, give me yours and I'll ride it, okay? But what he was saying is this, because it allured him into a lifestyle. But hear me this morning. You say, preacher, how can I be a servant? Start telling others what God has done for you. Tell them they don't have to go down that road. They don't have to live that lifestyle. They don't have to know what it's like to walk by a beer cooler and have to walk the other way because there was an addiction to that. Tell them how bad it was, but tell them how good God is. What God has done. Oh, there's something for everybody. The servants are so scarce here. Why? When the Savior is so sufficient. When He is so sufficient. When He is so good. Why not tell other people about Him? Man, I'm going to tell you something. Friday morning, it was messy. I know I already said a little bit about this, but it was messy. I met Brother Will early and I started out to feed and he started out to work and Olivia was in the tractor with me. And I started out from over there where their barn's at. And I looked over to the right, Brother Will, and that sun was, was starting to peep up. I looked through all those clouds and all that fog and the mist. Boy, I began to think about the choir singing, the sun's coming up in the morning. I began to think about this, this storm, it's not going to last forever. These heartaches, they're not going to last forever. But you know what? Even in the midst of the darkest, roughest storm of my life, Brother Kevin, every once in a while, I could still feel a breeze that would blow. Why? Because the Savior is so sufficient. Tell you the reason you're sitting here today clothed in your right mind, worshiping the Lord. Jimmy, tell you the reason you have children today that God has blessed you with, and you're trying to raise them in church, and you dropped them off in the nursery, you dropped them off in youth church, or they're sitting beside of you today, you're sitting behind you today. You want me to tell you the reason why? Because there is a God that is sufficient today. When I can't do it, He steps in and He does it. When I don't know what to do, He knows what to do. In the deepest, darkest moments of my life, when all I could do was lay prostrate out up before God, there was a God that was there that helped me. He is sufficient today. And let me tell you what everybody out there needs. They just need the same God that moved into your life, that changed your life, that made everything sufficient in your life. That's what they need. We know what He can do. Jeff Todd, you know what He can do. You know I'm not being ugly today. The first time I met Jeff Todd, I walked off because I could not stand the language that he was using. Don't you, don't you get Jeff Todd round up. It don't matter who you are. Don't get around him when he's drinking. But you know what happened? He started walking in to a hospital because he had a sickness. It started in Genesis chapter number 3 when Eve fell in the garden. 
And he walked into an emergency room one day. And the Holy Ghost led the preacher to preach. And you know what happened? He left and went home. The preacher didn't go with Jeff, but the Holy Ghost did. And he began to stir around in that heart and stir around in that heart. And he'd come back. And he'd come back. Miss Leslie said, Who's that? I said, Oh, that's Jeff Todd. I should be honest. Some of y'all know what I'm saying today. Some of y'all knew him before he got born again. Oh, that's Jeff Todd. We need to pray for him. I can't believe he's at church today. And I kept preaching. And God kept stirring. You know what happened one Sunday morning? But Jeff had all he could take. And he piled up right in here. And God moved into his heart. And he said goodbye to all that alcohol. All that junk that was in his life. And now God is sufficient for him. We know what the Savior can do. Know that individual in your life right now that's struggling with addiction. You know what God done for you. Preacher, I just don't know. I just don't know what to tell him. You know what Paul told everybody everywhere he went? He said, You know what? There was a day that I was on the road to Damascus. I was going down there to find some Christians, kill them. That's what he was doing. Acts chapter number nine. He said, There was a light shining down out of heaven. And the Holy Ghost convicted me and smote me to the ground. And I came up a person saved by the grace of God. Let me tell you what you need to tell. You just need to tell them what God's done for you. You say, preacher, some of those things you preached about. Preacher, I've been down that road. Hear me and hear me well. There's still a God that loves you. There's still a God that forgives you. Somebody say amen today. I don't know about anybody else, but I am thankful that my past has been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm glad I'm a new creature in Him. I don't have to look back at that. I've got something to look forward to today. The Savior is so sufficient. He's so sufficient. Brother Jerry, is he sufficient today? Has the Lord been sufficient the past two years? He's good, isn't he? He's took a load off of me. Miss Gloria, how long have you been saved? Ever since she's 19. That's been more than a day or two then, hasn't it? Quite a few years. Is the Lord sufficient? Has He always been there for you? Always. Would you change anything? Not a thing. How long have you been saved, Miss Melba? A long time. Has he been sufficient? But Ted, how long have you been saved, buddy? Forty-six years. What about that? Is the Lord good to you? Has he always been sufficient? Has he always met your needs? But Ken, how long have you been saved? Fifty-six years. How many times you battled cancer? Three times. Battling that right now. I'm going to ask you a question. Has the Lord been sufficient? Has He ever let you down? I'm about to run. Gary, how long have you been saved? 69 years. Is the Lord sufficient? What about when your husband unexpectedly went home to glory? Was the Lord still sufficient through that? How about it? In the darkest moments of your life, when it looks like your whole life has been snagged away from you, 
Just a few weeks from now, we'll walk back down that road again. But was the Lord sufficient to hold? Why? Why are we just standing here? Why are we just standing here? You've heard the testimonies. Brother Robert, how long have you been saved? 34 years. years. Has the Lord been sufficient? Brother Charles, he changed your life, didn't he? Had a wife and girls and a father-in-law. Prayed to God save you. How long has it been, Brother Charles? No seven. Don't ask you a question. Since those seven, there's been some dark days. I know they have. But has the Lord been sufficient? Been right there. Kneel under them old trees and go to pray, and He'd always meet you out there. <laughs> Y'all ready to go home? And I feel like shouting. Praising God, that's sufficient today. He's sufficient. Young people, you're looking for something so hard and it's right in front of your face. His name is God. He's already given you the breath to breathe. He woke you up this morning. Let me tell you what you need to do. You just need to submit your life to Him. If you're not saved, you just need to give your life to Him. God will give you everything that you need. He is sufficient. Why stand you here by?